Hey now, on today's podcast, we're having a great conversation with Jared Sharp. See you on the other side. Guys, this is Rob, host from Rob's School of Music, and today I'm talking to Jared Sharp. Jared has been the guitar player on Saturday Night Live for well over a decade, and he has a production team that he writes with, along with his solo compositions. They currently have reached records that have platinum sales. He just put out a song with Post Malone. He had a record that just came out with G-Eazy. Your Sports Center updating me in the background. It was just a really cool talk. Um, Turned out in the pre-interview we got to talk and Jared is from Rockland County in New York, same county I'm from. Um, the actual town he's from is not too far from where we actually have the school located currently. And many years back he recorded a record with a band at the studio owned by my original guitar teacher, Ryan Ball. So we got to reconnect about that a lot. I actually saw his band, uh, what, geez, 1998 um, at a local spot. So it was kind of cool to talk about that. He actually played with Seth, who's a drummer here at the school. So there's a lot of really cool connections. It's special to see someone come from you know the same area and just kind of reach such a high level uh, in terms of the gigs he's on and just as a musician and a creator. Successful guy, sweetheart of a guy, great conversation. Before we jump into that, before we jump into the interview, I just want to remind you guys that we have opened up enrollment for our Music Wizardry Minicamp. It is literally open to anyone around the world. It will all be taught via Zoom the weekend of July 31st through August 2nd. Each day will feature multiple one-hour-long seminars with various teachers from around the world. And you can basically choose to jump on the ones you want and the ones you don't want or you don't have to be a part of. And at the end of each night, we're going to have a recap, hangout, you know, online campfire session telling stories. I'm bringing in teachers from around the world, a songwriter from Sweden that I work with, an audio production uh, studio seminar out of Utah, stuff that you can't even imagine. I can't announce it all yet, but it's one of a kind. It's never been done, and you guys want to be a part of it. There's more info on that at robschoolmusic.com, along with information about our virtual private lessons. Hope to see you guys at some of our upcoming online events or in lessons, but in the meantime, enjoy this interview with Jared Sharp. Well, as always, we do our Wednesday question and answer interview segments. Today, we will be featuring the amazing Jared Scharf. Jared's been playing on SNL for 13 seasons, amongst other many, many amazing things. And uh, I promised you guys I would be doing something really cool at the start off here. So I got a song coming out uh, written by Samantha and the rest of our writing team, and it is called Outbreak. And here's a little teaser for this song, guys. Check it. So that song is called Outbreak, and it's going to be coming out hopefully Friday. So let me throw on these earphones and bring in Mr. Jared. Alright, so that song is Outbreak, Heated Exchange. Alright, here we go. Yo. Hey, dude. How are you? What's up? I was beautiful, LA. Just playing some music? Yeah, I was throwing something on there. We got a song coming out, so we've we been teasing it for weeks, throwing it out a little teaser, but I'm sure it was very garbled and crappy through Instagram. <laughs> well, you're just, you're wetting the appetite. That's what we're doing, yeah. If you if you think it sounds good, what it sounds like this, then you might like it in real life. Exactly. If it sounds decent to you over the phone, it's got to be slamming. That's how it works, right? Cool, dude. So, um, we have a music school here in New York, uh, in Rockland, and we do in-person lessons. And recently, we couldn't do in-person lessons, so we're all online. Um, so, we've been doing these interviews every week, and I'm really excited to have you on here, being a, another Rockland County alumni. <laughs> right. So, um, how'd you get into music? Like, what's your story? Let's start there. Well, um, my 
parents were really into music, so it was kind of always around as a kid, you know, like, I used to love going on, like, car rides and just listening to, like, the pop music, because, like, my parents would always put on classic rock, you know, and actually, we didn't really listen to music much in the house, it's very strange, but, like, so in the car, I would just hear all this stuff, like, and I just like, had no idea, like, where it came from or what, but, um... <laughs> Yeah, but, like, that was always exciting for me, and um, I eventually started playing playing piano a little bit when I was really young, and I didn't really like it, and then public school, you know, you start taking, like, lessons in fourth grade or whatever, so I started taking drums, then started playing guitar not that long after that, and um, just really enjoyed it. it. was, like, playing in rock bands and, like, summer camps and, and outside, like, uh, of my classes in school, and just kind of always was playing in bands like from that point on it was just, that was that was it i was hooked cool man cool um what was like your your first guitar that you were like this is it man. my first guitar yeah the one that like you know the first one that do you still have your first guitar i guess is a better question i actually have both my first acoustic and my first electric amazing awesome I actually, the only guitar I've ever sold in the history of my life, and I have maybe 35 guitars now, was my second electric guitar. And I remember the story so well. I, it was in that time, like, I was in high school, and, like, metal was still kind of cool, but I was also really into classic rock and Clapton, so, like, I knew about the Strat, I was into the Strat, but like I was really into like these shred guitars, like the Ibanez guitars, like that was hip, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I I bought, well, I didn't buy, my parents bought me the the Alex Skolnick Testament Ibanez, you know, that super uh -huh. thin one? <laughs> and it was like, I remember like I, I knew I wanted it. I've seen all the ads in guitar, the guitar magazines back then because it was like, you know, a kid like drooling over like something in, in ad advertisements. And um, I remember like right before I was about to, we were about to get it. I, my dad was like, do you want to just like try this Strat? It was this like a blackie, you know, like the Clapton's blackie, like the black mm -hmm. with the maple frets, whatever. Yep. And I played it. And I remember being like, oh my God, this is like mesmerizing. And I was really torn, but I just somehow like, I just was like, now nah, let's stick with the stupid, <laughs> like the stupid green thin Ibanez shred guitar. I wasn't even like a big shredder. And I've always like wondered about that guitar for like the rest of my life. But I will say the Strat, but I went back a year later and I, I did get a black strap. Nice. And I, I doubt it was the same one, but you never know. Right. Like I might have got the same one. Right. And that black strap to this day is still like my number one guitar. Awesome. Like bury me with it. Like I played it at MSG, uh, Carnegie Hall like at rangers games on snl like I, like everywhere like that oh man it's like and it's in new york right now and i'm in la and oh no yeah <laughs> so it's like such a bummer like that it's not here with me you know but that yeah that so anyway i sold i sold that ibanez like sometime when i was in college or something because i was like i will never this like guitar sounded like paper right <laughs> Like paper with, with humbuckers, <laughs> you know, and a whammy bar. And, and it kind of goes with my whole thing of like, I hate selling things because I'm not a hoarder, but I'm more of a like a, a FOMO kind of guy. Uh -huh. And like, I wish I had that guitar to this day. Sure. Because like now it would be so fun to just like take it out and as like a party trick or just like, I don't have anything that does that. It would have been so right. fun to have that. And like the one that I had in high school, you know? Yeah, man. I, I ironically, I got a similar situation is I, I, in high school, I had an Ibanez RG 760. It had a humbucker, two single coils, whammy bar, the whole thing. 
Um, and I put an EMG 85 in the bridge to make it even more metal. Um, and I sold it at a East Coast Music Mall in wherever that was, Connecticut maybe. And I search, I, I wanna say weekly, it might be daily on reverb to see if that guitar pops up. And it's not popped up yet. But just same thing, like, it'd be cool to still have it. It would be cool, I know. But then it's like, I think about space. And obviously like my apartment is in New York, like, it's not big. Like I only have like a couple guitars there. I can't like store all this stuff. Right. You know. So eventually, when I'm in a when I'm in a big house and I can have seventy five guitars laying around, uh, I'll try to find it. That time will come. Don't you worry. <laughs> um. So you know, SNL, the Rangers games. These are big, big stages. And like I said, we're a school and we put bands together with our students and book them gigs and stuff. Um, anxiety and stage fright is a big thing that they have to overcome. You know, you're playing on epic, you know, it has to be right. <laughs> um, yeah. How, do you have any tips for coping with that kind of stuff? You know, I will say, okay, this is kind of a cheat. Okay. It's okay. It's your stage. <laughs> this is a cheat. One of the things I love, and this is, I don't know if this is like the most accurate part of like my personality or what, but like there's something about being a guitar player that like you can kind of like casually like start come in. Like <laughs> you don't like, if you're not totally sure if you're playing the right chord or if you're like, sometimes it's a dark stage or there's like a weird like G sharp and you're like, like a note you're not you don't play all the time and you're just like ah like you can kind of like ease into it make sure it's right before you like attack it and you know you're not the bass player or the drummer that has to like define that moment sure so you can kind of cheat a little bit and you can lay out or like you know you can play really quietly and then until you're more confident like you can kind of fake a little bit and yeah. So I kind of like that you can hide a little bit until you're like confident. Um, so anyway, that's a little cheat, but sometimes, yeah, sometimes you're kind of out there naked and you don't really have a choice. And you know, it's the, the craziest moments, the moments I dread, there's like only, there's one or two moments playing music that I will always dread and I never want to do. And I might avoid a gig just cause I don't want to do it. Finger picking. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I'm not good at that. Um, or like if I had to do like a song for an artist on TV and like the intro was like some sort of like important guitar part naked. I'm just like, no, hell no. Like I do not want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but like if I can play it, I might suck it up. But like that, that really scares me to death. And oftentimes on SNL, we have a moment where like it's a sketch and I'm the only guitar player and I have to play like a part during the sketch and you can feel the energy in the room. Like, and you can feel that like millions of people are like ready, like are waiting to hear what you're doing and you're so exposed. Like there is wow. no option to fail. And if you fail, damn it, that sucks. But like, what are you going to do? So like, I feel that anxiety in those situations and I'm like, I feel the nerves and I feel, I'm like, Oh God, I don't do this. Uh. But it's like, you just have to remember that like, as soon as you start, like you just get in it. Cool. Very so, true. Like, you just have to like avoid the fear. And then like, it's kind of just like once you're, you jump in the pool, like you're in the pool and then you're right. like, not totally. So if you can find a way to not think about what's going to happen and just try to like, be in the moment and just get to downbeat you'll be you'll be all right and also you have to realize like if you mess up you mess up and like there's nothing you can do and exactly that, and that's okay like that happens yes i've done it <laughs> we've all done it <laughs> and i have um, and i make no apology like i'll apologize and be like oh sorry but like i don't really i'm not like really bummed out because it's like what are you gonna do we're all human like Exactly. They wanted it perfect. We should have recorded it perfect and they could have they could have played it to track or whatever or they could have hired a MIDI thing or like I don't know, like 
I love that. Yeah. What do you want from me? Like for piano players, it's much easier for people to like be in those moments and not mess up because it's so like everything is like so tactile and like right, right. under each finger. And linear like, and it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's like you can just, it's there. But guitar yeah. is like, can be so like the strings are moving, like frets are like weird, you know, you could have like a guitar that's not, doesn't have big frets, so it could be slippery. The like, action and or sweaty yeah, hands, like, yeah. Yeah, like you just, there's just so many other things. And it's a lot harder for a guitar player to do that. You know who I think is perfect at like doing that type of thing that I'm really afraid of is Justin Jericho. Oh yeah? I feel like that dude is just fearless. Dude, it takes balls. The, the finger picking stuff is a nightmare. I did like a, a last minute booking a, a wedding thing and I'm playing as this, they're walking down the aisle. And it was oh. me, and a, me and a keyboard player and the keyboard player was like, you take this one, you know, cause there really wasn't keyboard in the part. Um, it was like a train song or something and finger picking. And I'm a lefty, but I play righty. So my right hand is not meant to do anything really. Yeah. And, and I'm like, tick, tick, and I look at him like, help me. And he jumped in and no one noticed, but like my heart was like, you could have seen my tux was just flying. Yeah, I no, I, I would adapt it or I would be like, do you have a, do you have a classical guitar patch on your piano? <laughs> <laughs> but like, that, but that's, but that's like a whole other point, right? It's like, if you know what your weaknesses are, like find ways around it to like yep. make it work. Yep. Awesome. That was, so, that was a fantastic perspective, man. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, I am not fearless. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. It's fearless to admit that. So that's still winning. Yeah. Um, so the SNL gig, like how did you, um, you know, what was the process? So you, like you, so you were in a band Velvet Frog. I saw you play many years yeah. ago, right here in Rockland. Um, Beagle. Yeah, dude, which is crazy. Like as soon as you said that, I was like, that's it. I, I couldn't remember that for what feels like 20 years or something. And then boom, it was like yesterday. Me and you my dad. Something went. funny about that. The our first that that CD that we made with Ryan Ball, mm -hmm. um, which was our first album, like in high school or college or whatever. There's a live. Either that CD or I think it's that CD or the second one. But I think it's that one. There's a like a secret track, and it's like a live version of the song that we made, and it's from that performance. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh wow, wow! I'm part yeah. of history. <laughs> yeah, you're in there, bro. Wow, that's you crazy. You're in my life. Oh, that makes me feel so special. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, what, what, what came after that? Like, did you go to school for music? Did you go away? Like, yeah, I, I ended up going to the Hart School of Music for a for a year, two semesters. Um, then ended up transferring to NYU. Um as you know, jazz performance major or whatever. And eventually I switched to um, music education major. Cause I, I just didn't want to play like four hours of like jazz, like <laughs> chromatic approach notes, like arpeggios every day to like get an A in guitar class. Like I just was not interested. Right. And I remember very well having a conversation with the head of like the music jazz department at NYU at the time. And I was like, look, like, for what I want to do in my life, I'm really, like, I'm good. Like, I'm good enough. Like, I wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to be, like, in an Allman Brothers jam band and play rock music. You know, like, um, me and you see, we're going to start a rock band, right? See, yes. I, I see him on the, on the live. Um, do it. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, like, I, and, you know, like, it wasn't that I was, like, having an ego about it. It was just, like, that music is not complex. Like, Playing a power chord with distortion, like an A power chord, open A, or like an E or a B, like those chords with distortion are some of the most thrilling things I can ever do as a guitar player for the entirety and the rest of my life. Yep. There's just something about what that is that is so visceral and so rewarding. And like, while I do love playing my minor seventh arpeggios with an approach note, above the the one and then do it again with an approach you know, above or below like the third and fifth and the third. like i can do all that shit i worked on it and that's really challenging and it's great but didn't interest me right so i anyway i told him all this stuff and he just basically like screamed at me because he was <laughs> um 
not a nice person, uh, had a little trouble with the, uh, mm. you know, and he basically like did all this stuff to, um, get me into the program, like after the date, the, the deadline. So he really went to bat for me and I will give him that. So I thank him for that, but he was pissed. But anyway, left, did music education, thought it would be good for me to learn something other than music. My whole life was so tunnel music land. And then um, I graduated, but I was in bands the whole time, you know, playing in the city. And I graduated, and and then two two months after that, the band that I one of the bands I was in got signed to a major label record deal. Wow. Yeah. That's Nothing wild. happened with it, but you know, it's a step in the right direction, man. A lot of people get to say that sentence. So. Well, you know, it, it was interesting. Like after that band my whole kind of trajectory was like this, you know, up until that point, it was like, Oh, cool. I was like playing the drum set and like in the big songs and in concert band in high school. And, and, and then like, I was in like the cool, like rock band. And then I was in college. I, you know, was getting scholarships and, you know, I was in another, I was in more bands that were like playing big shows in the city and then like graduated and got signed. It was like, everything was like, do, 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 do. And then, you know, that band was like horrific. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I learned a very good lesson, Um, a humbling and a life doesn't always work out how you want it to work out type of lesson. So that was an interesting time. And eventually made my own project, Jared Sharp and the Royals, and like started doing that around the city and, you know, East Coast stuff. And it was cool. And. You know, we, we had some small success, like, of a local touring band or whatever, or a local band, but nothing crazy. And I was also producing a lot at that time. I, I was really getting into that around 2007. Um, and that's when I, I also got the SNL job at, in 2007. And so, yeah, I started doing SNL and producing kind of like, I basically was doing like six days a week, like five days in the studio one day SNL and then Sunday was like my day off usually. Um, And that was, I did that for years. And then eventually left the pop world, did my artist project, which I've always wanted to do a indie hip guitar instrumental album that was not shred heavy or not shred, not shredder at all. And um, so did that for a bunch of years still doing SNL, released a couple of songs and videos for the project called Pearl Lion, like pearls, like a lion, uh, Pearl Lion. And um, then about two and a half, almost three years ago, I kind of was missing working with other people and songs and vocals and pop. And so I kind of came back to that world a little bit, signed a publishing deal with Warner Chapel. And since then, I've probably had like 45 songs come out, so platinum cool. albums, few gold records, gold single. Um, had a Easy and Marshmallow song come out two weeks ago. I have a song featuring Post Malone coming out Friday. Tommy Lee. Yep, Tommy yeah. Lee. Um, yeah, just a whole bunch of stuff. So I've been doing like all kinds of stuff, and and then it's been fun like being in LA, like doing sessions and meeting all these insane talented people like omer who just joined the the live this kid is insane i feel like, oh, yeah? he's, like a, he's like a young me when i hear him really? play i'm like oh my god that's like i feel like that was me <laughs> that was, that was play. he's amazing though he's better than me what can i say <laughs> that's good dude i was i always surround myself with people better than me i want to be the least talented guy in the room because then it lights that fire yeah um, that... it's it's fun i mean it's sometimes you know like even if someone's not technically better than you, they have something they can offer. And as long yep. as you can keep your mind open and your ears and eyes like really open to what's happening, there's always something to take away. Like some of my favorite people that I work with like aren't very good players, but they do something that's really great and they have great musicality or they like they're right. great with sounds or they're it's just about like taking everyone's best, you know, finding yep. what everyone's really great at and utilizing that and finding how it fits with you. Dude, I can't agree more. That's something that we really try to within the school here is 
bring out of the students. You know, I don't want to be the school of rock or these, these corporate things. Like we try and give this, like all the teachers here, um, you know, there's still session guys or touring guys or, or gigging guys. Um, our drummer, uh, drum teacher, this guy, Seth Mutal, he's in the, uh, another Seth, Rockland. Seth was in Belton Frog. Yeah. Yeah. Early on. Really? Yeah. Wow. How did that never come up? Oh my gosh. I'm going to call him as soon as we're done. That's Dude, sick. He was, he was the, like, he wasn't the original drummer, but the original drummer was Randy Schrager, who is insane and now plays with like Jesse Mallon and played with um, the New York Dolls for a minute when they were doing stuff. Wow. Wait, no, he didn't play with the Dolls. He played with some other, like, oh, uh, Scissor Sisters, that's it. Some other New York-y thing. Um, so Randy was the original, but he was in, like, other bands. So we wanted to find, like, our own guy. And I ended up meeting Seth, and we ended up being in a band. And we were also going to summer camp together, and we were in bands in summer camp. And, man, I used to love playing with Seth. Is this the same camp that Adam Levine? Because Seth yeah. always tells a story about... Uh, interacting with Adam. That's crazy, man. Small, small world. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was a, that was a good time, man. There was like some quali really quality musicians. I was really lucky to be that young and play with such talented and cool people. It really like set the bar high. Sure. You know, like, oh, wow. Like music is like you can do such amazing stuff with such talented people and it was just always fun and it just made it so enjoyable and like to be able to do that at such an early age was just such a nice thing to have sure definitely man that i mean you you're that little synopsis of your, your little bio there is i'm like sitting there i'm like trying to take notes because there's so many little questions um it, it, it's important i think exactly as you said like we'll have people that will assemble into these bands you know kids high school age and anyone can make their own band. It's not like we're telling them how to, you know, make fire out of nothing. But yeah. you watch how the dynamic where we'll, okay, well, maybe one of the guitar players, you know, isn't technically as good as the other guy. Good, which is a silly word to even say, but as, you know, whatever. But he has great stage presence or he has a positive attitude. Like it's this whole picture, a lot of intangible kind of things. Um, yeah. All right, SNL. I'm going to ask a few questions on SNL. Um, so like, okay. how do you get a gig? How do you get a gig like that? And then, um, second part of it, mildly related to it again, cause we're at a school theory and reading or something, especially with guitar players, they kind of disregard. So how much of, yeah, whatever I just asked. <laughs> well, um, I will say first and foremost, you don't get SNL gig without knowing all of the, well, a shit ton of theory and and knowledge of right. music and styles. You know, you don't even enter that equation. Not every gig is like that. That's this is a very specific thing, and you don't even you're not even in the the running if you can't read. Okay, cool. So Good to that you hear is, that, kids? <laughs> yeah, you're not. It's not even an option. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you get that. They were auditioning a lot of people they were getting you know obviously like the music industry and the especially the players community is really small and everyone knows who's good and who's doing what so right. everyone was putting their people's names in in the hat you know and lenny was meeting with everybody our band leader and i was recommended by the previous guitar player who was there i knew him and he knew my playing so that's kind of how I got my name in the hat, but I had to do all the hurdles. Like I sent, a, I sent like a YouTube video of me playing a song, like and like shredding, like from, from a live performance, not shredding like shredding, but you know, ripping. I use that word um, in very many different contexts. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that was kind of my initial audition, just to like, to see if like Lenny was even into what I was doing, and then he emailed me wanted me to come in and meet him told me to bring a guitar audition aka so i went in <laughs> and it's like a couple of hours talked for a while and the majority was really just him kind of trying to figure out like what i knew it's like 
what my musical history, what my background was. Did I know a lot of the music and the styles that they play on the show? It's so diverse. Like, yeah. Like, am I a good person? Am I a dick? Like, like he was, most of it is like, what is this guy's vibe? And then like three, two hours in, in the, or later, we started doing a few songs. And that was when it was like, I'd have to sight read, which I was terrible at at the time and play. And not to mention through like a broken, tiny, like bass practice amp. Wow. Thank God I brought a distortion pedal. Cause you see, that's another thing, right? Always be prepared. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to have, but if there's anything that I need, it's at least a distortion pedal. Right. So I brought it. Thank God I did. Um, and yeah, so we just played a couple of songs and um, I got a call back. So it was me and three other guitar players got the call back to play with the entire band and more sight reading, less like barely any time to look at the music, played like six songs and that was it. And I remember like the first song was uh, a cover that I knew. So thank God it, it eased me in. Um, and they were like, yeah, for the solo section, just like do as long as you want. And just like, just look, you know, give us the nod when you're done. <laughs> so in my brain, I'm like, this basically, I can either like, they're either like, they, they love it from this or they're like, we're not sure. Let's see how it goes. But I could win from this right here. Like if I just blow it out of the water, like on the first attempt, first, you know, their first uh, view of me, it's like, I knew that was like the most important. So I just went fucking went for it. Nice. And I played like a long solo and they had to like stop me and reel me <laughs> back in. And then after we were done, everybody was like laughing and it totally broke the ice. That's great. And I, was, I was like, you told me to play as long, like to keep going. So I was like, all right, I'll keep going. So, you know, that I just went for it, you know, like I think sometimes you, the point I guess I want to make is like, you know, first impressions are really important. Sure. And when you have the opportunity to like break down the door, you got to you got to break down the door. I like that. So, cuz you know, like cuz you know that from that point on they were like, "Okay. All right. What else what <laughs> else you got?" versus like, eh, "That was whatever. Let's keep going through. Let's see the next guy." Like, you know what I mean? Sure. That's fantastic. Anyway. And that takes, Sorry, you know, I could just answer the questions. I just feel like these are important points as as a professional musician and producer that i think are really important to me dude it, I, I and i'm so grateful for that because like some of the people we've discussed they give the very blanket statement because they're trying to be you know this is what he wants to hear no i want to hear like the real shit man like you're you're dropping bombs of knowledge now so thank you that's i mean so that, accurate thank you that's my those are my that's my opinion on it i love it man so the SNL thing, like, how does that? So you see, you have the publishing deal with Warner Chapel. Like, how do you get a publishing deal? Like, how what? How does that process work? Well, I was lucky in the fact that a person that I was in a production team with, writing production team, early on in 2007, for a few years, um, he'd gone on to be a very big songwriter. And he had, he had started doing joint ventures and signing people to his own thing. So not only did he know my work ethic and my ability from back in the day, we were also very close. And he was a big fan of the Pearl line instrumental music, especially the production. Right. So when I came back to him being like, yo, like I miss doing all this. And I also had this idea of like, sending out loops and all these ideas to like hip hop and working more in the hip hop space with my guitar stuff. Um, Which is brilliant. Thought, That's a brilliant you. angle, man. That's to use the guitar in that way. Yeah. Um, Great. So we kind of thought like we had a good, a good pitch for like yeah. doing something. So I hit up, uh, so we just walked into Warren Chapel and I've been doing some like remixes of things just to kind of flex some production stuff you know we talked about the guitar folder aspect idea and the hip-hop space we talked about 
my pro lion instrumental stuff. So there was a lot, you know, like to offer and they were super into it. Like I didn't shop around and I was like, that was it. And then moved on. It's fantastic. So cool. And because, and because I had a job where I was making a living, I didn't need money from the publishing company. So I made sure that I negotiated a very, very, very small amount of money so that I got a really fair deal. That's smart too. So I used that leverage. You got a great business mind. That's very <laughs> cool to hear. Thank you. I mean, I'm not great at like making businesses, but I feel like I, I make good choices sometimes. A hundred percent, man. I mean, that's something, again, we try and instill in the, in, in, in the students here, you know, a lot of them see what a lot of the, the teachers here are doing as, wow, you can make a, a living in music if you're not the artist, you don't have to be a rock star. You can, you know, play at a, 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 some corporate event on a Saturday and then on Sunday uh, do a session gig and then, uh, and, you know, just split yourself into all these different little, you know, funnels that come back to, okay, I can pay my rent. It's really yeah. cool. I think that anyone who thinks that they can make a living just doing one thing these days um, doesn't know the business. Right. And that's fair because they're not in it probably. Um, it's pretty impossible to do just one thing. You have to, today you have to be more diverse than ever before, but that's a good thing because that's the best way to stay busy. And, and to keep not bored. Right, and, and you can get lucky and be able to do one thing and make a really good living if you keep at, like if you're in a band and that gets really successful, if you're, you know, you're producing songs and you're doing really well and like you have big, some big songs or, or just you're producing a lot and getting paid a lot or you're mixing or like you can, you can make a living doing one thing. It's just challenging. And so sure. most people need to do multiple things and I'm making a living doing one thing, but I'm doing like four different things. Right. Just because like, that's what excites me and that's what I want to do, you know? Yeah. That's great, man. It gives you the, the freedom, you know, to, to follow your passions and have fun with it and not feel like, oh my gosh, if this doesn't happen, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like you can balance it, I guess, which is a skill in itself to balance all the different personalities and, you know, parts of your brain. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, when the time comes, if I'm not at SNL anymore, it's like, I'll be, you know, producing full time and all that stuff, which I pretty much am doing already. But like, I'll still find ways to play gigs. Like, it won't be like, because I won't need to, like, make $200. It's not about that. It's like, I want to still play live because it's something I enjoy right. and I love to do. Like, those, none, like, these things will never, they'll never go away. Like, this is what I do. This is what I love to do. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. I think passion is a huge part of it. Um, as I played in the very beginning before you came, um, my girlfriend's a singer. I play guitar. We have a guy in Utah and a guy in Arizona. We write music together. This guy in Sweden sometimes as well. And we finally are putting a song out after quite some time of, you know, back and forths. And this is my first time being in the original music space in like a decade. So it, oh, it's wow. scary, but it's exciting to be creative and, and, you know, think with that part of my head, that's been so dormant for so long. So it's, it's I get it, man. It, it's, it's, it's cool. It's very cool. Yeah. It's important to do all those things, man. It's, they all like occupy different head spaces and have different rewards, you know? Yep. Definitely. A hundred percent. Now, so you're producing, so like the Post Malone, uh, the Tommy Lee song and then Stand By Me, G Easy, and then the stuff with the baby. Is that all with Queen 60s or is that you? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so that, uh, the DaBaby song came about with my one of my production groups called Queen Sixties. Um, it's just three of us. We just like do a lot of full band style music without drums to, to send to some of my beat maker buds. And then cool. the G Easy one was like started out as a collaboration with me and my, my buddy Runes. Um, was a loop that we made that marshmallow he gave to marshmallow marshmallow got it to g I, I don't know their story and then marshmallow sent us sent it back to us with a vocal the with acapella and like 
where Marshmallow had taken it for us to like add more stuff. So I just like, you know, we added a bunch of things and like did what we thought it needed for production, sent it back to Marshmallow. He did a few things and that was that. So a lot of back and forth. And then the Tyla featuring Post Malone one is also just was from a loop of music that me and the same guy Runes made together that a friend of mine in Atlanta when I was going to Atlanta doing a lot of sessions in Atlanta at the start of my writing my publishing deal uh, one of those those guys made a beat to that and I don't know how he got it to, to Tyler but that's how that happened that's so cool man it, it's you know this this flying back and forth of sessions that's something that we've been forced to do with the students is, you know, uh, we'll play, we'll give you a drum track with a click. Now try your very best using GarageBand on your iPhone to play something to it and forcing people to experience something that's like, you do it every single day. But you know, when you're 14, it's so daunting. It's cool to see them kind of step up to it. Yeah, I mean, we live in a world that's obviously pandemic world right now, but like, we live in a world where the majority of things are done collaboratively. Right. And you kind of have to be able to do something at home and be able to send something back and relatively quickly. Like if you're someone who doesn't send stuff back to anybody and like people are just going to move on, you know? Yeah, completely. What, uh, what do you use? Pro Tools generally? I do Pro Tools mostly. I do do a little bit of Ableton here and there as well. Cool. But yeah, I just started to mess with Ableton. It scared me forever. And then I just got it with like the push. And I'm like, oh, this isn't so bad. It kind of makes sense. I just can't get around it very well. No, because it's not linear in the same way. It's it's, and I know you can do a view like that, but it's not the same thing. It's it's oh, weird. So I I only do that the Pro Tools view on Ableton. Yeah. See, when I do that in Ableton, it it trips me up because I almost feel like you're not supposed to. Like it it wants to go the other way, and having the controller finally made that make sense to me. But I don't know. I'm I'm like three weeks in, so we'll see. If I no, stick with it. I mean, how it, you know what it is, man. It's like how, whatever's going to inspire you to create and however, yeah. however you, your flow is that, I mean, that's why everyone uses different things. Yeah. I've been using logic a lot recently. I was a pro tools guy forever. And then our guy in Utah, we, we work with, he's like, I just got into logic. I think you might like it. And, and I'm really liking it. I just, I'm like a real like audio editor uh -huh. and I just, it's just so hard to do it on Logic and Ableton. Oh, completely. We do all our vocals in Pro Tools still because the editing is, you, you can get in there. <laughs> yeah, it just makes sense to me visually. And I'm, I'm yep. so visual that like, I don't know that I'll ever fully switch. Uh, what do you think about like modelers and stuff? That's a big question because a lot of these kids are watching all, you know, the shred guys on, on Instagram. And I mean, I just, I got an Axe FX3 over here, so I'm not a purist by any means. But what do you think about that stuff? Um, a lot of the songs that I use that I've had come out have just been Kemper. Yeah. I have a single coming out in July. This artist run for short. Um, she's on Interscope. I forget. Um, all Kemper. Cool. Oh, actually, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, that was my fender, but with the ox. Okay. Cool. UA Ox. Um, yeah. But I, I've been using Kemper for ages, taking it to all my sessions in the last two and a half years. Um, I've got the Strymon Iridium when that came out. I've used that a hell of a lot. Yeah. So I start take. I've been taking that to to more sessions instead of the Kemper because it's a lot smaller and right. less heavy. So that may. I mean, basically, I just set it on clean use my pedals for whatever else I need and that's it. What kind of I'll pedals are you taking? Like what's your go-to session pedal rig? And obviously we're going to get to this pedal within this uh, conversation, but <laughs> yeah, I, I use that one quite a bit. Um, yeah, I'm sure you do, man. It's so versatile. Yeah. And, and I ironically rarely use it with as a fuzz, which is like the best thing about it. But, um, I have like, I use a lot of Walrus audio pedals, a lot. 
as much as possible. No, um, a, a, a real lot. Um, I have some vintage pedals. Sometimes I, I don't know, I have a whole bunch of stuff that's kind of like, my feeling on that is like, it doesn't really matter what we all use. Right. You want a fuzz? Use a fuzz. You want distortion? Use distortion. You want a chorus? Find a chorus you like. Like, it's all the same. It's all the same shit. Right. It's just like, what shade of blue do you want? But it's still I like blue. that. That's very and smart. People get like so wrapped up in like, what's on your pedal board, blah, blah, blah. And, and I get that. But like, you have to find what, what works for you. And like, sometimes like, I'll, I'll use a chorus pedal on some things. And maybe I'll use the Walrus Julia. And then like, I have a vintage chorus, like the blue, like the blue boss chorus, like the old one. CE2 or whatever, yeah. Yeah, sometimes I'll yeah. use that. Sometimes I won't use it at all, but I'll use chorus on my, on Pro Tools with some of the plugins. Like, it just right. depends. You know, like I, people shouldn't get bogged down in like what gear you use. It's like, just use what inspires you to right. create. You know, like, I've heard, I've heard people do amazing things with the shittiest gear and right. I've heard the greatest gear to me sometimes sounds like absolute dog shit, <laughs> but sometimes it's perfect. Right. You know, like I'm a big Strymon fan. I have the big sky. I love it. I have the Iridium. Love it. You know, and it, but like, I've never been like a huge timeline fan, you know, I just think it gets like a bad rap because of like, all the like time delays and i'm just like this is just so like boring to me but right. then then you'll see a video with someone using the timeline on a synth or or some interesting guitar patch and you're like how the hell did you get that sound so it just yeah. depends you know mm -hmm. like that's why it's like it doesn't matter get yeah. what you can afford and that you like and just just make magic with it it's totally true man like I i'm definitely addicted to gear more than i should be but it's it's for the purposes of let's take something that's meant to do something and do something totally different with it for a long time i was in bands we never had keyboard players i've never played the tracks we always do everything live so it fell on me as the guitar player to take whatever pedals i had on the floor and make so many different sounds with them and uh you know sometimes people come over and they look and you get you know it's a guitar player right away because they're standing there like this looking and it's like shut up like you know it, it doesn't matter you would it make it better if that delay pedal was six hundred dollars versus you know my dd3 i've had since high school doesn't matter you know yeah Spot yeah. On. yeah like it's all it's all flavor right it's like i right. have two vintage memory mans they're both like five hundred dollars each like one i got for free like when i was in a signed rock band like we had album budget and like it was like the 2000s and they were they were like not expensive back then and then right. one I bought like a few years ago for like fucking five hundred dollars. Right. So like, because I I needed like another one. I don't remember why. I don't remember why I bought another one. That was so dumb. But like, <laughs> when I bought one, oh, I was thinking I was like trying to get it modded by Analog Man. Maybe it was four hundred bucks. Anyway, it was like a crazy amount of money, and I was like, this is my favorite delay pedal in the world. Might as well take the take the leap, you know. But like it changes like I, growing up i was using like the boss dd5 and i loved it you know like mm -hmm. then i i got the memory man that, and that was my favorite thing and it was like oh this is too big for a pedal board and like you start going down the road of like okay well what cops this and it's like oh i got the el capistan oh that's really cool oh i have the like oh the r87 walrus audio came out oh that's sick i love that you know like they're all just but, like it all does the same thing right I set them all the same way. It's virtually the same thing. The only difference is like the size of the pedal and like, is the delay brighter, darker, or more warbly? It's like, there's no difference. Yeah. That's the only difference. But that being said, like, that's a huge difference. Like, yes. I don't like digital delay anymore. I don't like clean delay tech. So right. whatever pedal, even if it's digital that I get, I'm, I would have to use like a lo-fi option. So like on the ARP 87, I, or Walrus, I use the lo-fi delay set. Cause yep. like, I just like that tone. Totally. And so, these little nuances, 
I'm sorry, yeah. go on, I cut you off. No, no, that, that's it. Um, oh, oh, oh I, you know what I was going to say? The one thing I will say is, like, sometimes when people, when you hear a sound that you love and you don't know how they made it, it's, like, looking at someone's pedal board is great because you're like, oh, I didn't know this pedal could do that. And it might give you an idea. Yep. I've certainly done that. Like, how did you make that sound? You know, like, because sometimes, like, it's how people use something that you didn't think about. And that's, that's when you want to know what it is. Cause and you having, like the sound that you want to replicate. And having access to be able to see stuff like that now, it's so amazing. I remember um, I started playing guitar when I was 13. So what year is that? 95, 96, something like that. And uh, dude, like I would sit there and listen to, you know, tape stuff off the radio and be like, how is, how, how does, how does Metallica sound like that? What's going on? And like, you can just do on the internet and it's right there. You know, I didn't have that. I mean, I remember when the first Rage Against the Machine album came out. Yeah. <laughs> it, it changed my life. Sure. Because I was like, I did not know that a guitar could make this sound. Yep. And that, that like, took me on, like, a, a lifelong quest of, like, making the guitar not sound like a guitar. I love that. I love that because no one ever expects it. Like, so many people, like, they liken the guitar to, like, like baseball where it's just, like, it's been there forever and it hasn't evolved and it's what it is. But you can totally do stuff that no one sees coming if you just mess around. Like, don't follow what you're supposed to do. Don't listen to, you know, the, the distortion goes after the wah. Well, does it have to? Yeah. You know, little things. Well, I love sometime, it. Well, some, there are some rules because I think if you put a, a fuzz before a wah, like, it won't work. <laughs> Well, I know because you start to, it's just, it's whying the, uh, the distortion. It's, it's a disgusting sound, but it, it can no, do it. Isn't, isn't there something that like, I haven't done it in ages, but like, if you put something before a wah, like the wah squeak makes that, like a squeak sound, it like won't work. That may be it. I don't remember. I honestly I th don't. I think it's, I think it's that. No, oh, well then I've misspoke. One rule we can't do. Forget that one. But I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, like come to think about it, it's like it would be really cool to put a watt at the end of a, like, uh, an effect rig that had like some really cool verb and interest, like vibey delay and chorus and this like cool washy sound. And then you're like treating the, the wah pedal like a filter. Which, yeah. But even better so, you can do that with the conga because it doesn't have the crappy resonance like a wah. Yes. yes. Dude, having the ability to have the expression pedal on what this does was brilliant. How did you think of that? That is like in my mind, I always had this vision of like taking sound and just warping it. And yeah. this does that. Yeah, I um, I wanted to kind of like do two things with this pedal. I wanted to make the 60s K filter fuzz like a modern pedal friendly version, but I wanted to be able to do it without fuzz so that you could get that like DJ filter sweep Mm -hmm. that like you could do with a, like because i was doing it so much on plugins for tracks djs were doing it like it was just such a part of modern music culture that i needed to figure out like how to do it so when i was pitching this pedal to walrus i was like i want to be able to do this with them without you know the the pedal and with or without fuss that was kind of the idea and so half the times I use it as like an EQ shaper when I'm recording. Or sometimes I just use it as like a slight envelope opening, like that's barely even noticeable. It just gives it some movement, almost like, you know, an LFO and a sim. Right. Sometimes I, I use it on the fuzz and like turn the volume down and get that super bit crushed, like sputtery fuzz thing. Sometimes right. It's like a ring modulator almost. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I just do straight on fuzz, like with the pedal. Like, I mean, I just use it all kinds of ways. So, so fun. And this is on, you have a couple of these on the SNL board. Right? I do. That's yeah. That's awesome. So one I used as a fuzz. Um, so I had it set like just a normal fuzz the way I like it. Um, which I love the vintage side. Um, and the filter is set so it's like kind of Queens of the Stone Age, kind of cool fuzz, like a secondary fuzz sound. And then the next one 
I use as like an envelope filter, like an auto lock, you know? Cool. So it's like set more like Jerry Garcia, like auto lock type effect. And I mostly use it clean. Sometimes I'll, I'll engage the fuzz if I wanted something weirder as like an auto wall with fuzz. It's fantastic. Yeah, it does so much. Use it as two pedals. I, I, that's the best way you can, man. I think I need a second one then. I used I mean, it on a, we played in a Vermont at the beginning of this year, a big uh, corporate cover thing. And we were doing moves like Jagger. Yeah. And I wanted to swell in what was happening. And I was using this and everyone's like, Wait, is that your watt pedal? You got a where you Qtron? I'm like, no, 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 no. It's my fuzz pedal. Figure it out. Yeah. Well, because because of the watt pedal, you get an annoying that nasally. Yeah, it's obnoxious. And it just sounds yeah. First of all, it hurts your ears, and it's like not a pleasing sound. This is more, uh, you know, just a low pass filter, so it's just gonna yep. give you that thing. Yep. Yep. So cool, man. It's um, actually funny you mentioned that because. I, I used to have conversations with James from, from Room 5. Yeah. And we, he was like, needed a pedal that did that for animals, the intro to animals. Uh-huh. And like, we, I remember like, we were trying to figure out like, how do we make this happen? And I was like, why isn't there a fucking pedal that does, like, does this? <laughs> like, it's on so many songs. Like, we need like a filter pedal. Right. And then years later, boom. You made it happen. I made it happen. <laughs> That's so cool, man. Well, all right, we have six minutes, so I'm going to ask one last thing of you, and then obviously thank you so much for this, dude. Like this has been oh, yeah. so educating, and that that's really what I want to do with this. So thank you for your time. My pleasure. Um, I'm, I'm glad we got to make a donation to the ACLU, and that's yes, really cool. And... That's what I was right about to say. Thank you for that. That is oh, so wonderful. My pleasure. Um, you have any hobbies outside of music that you can answer in a handful of seconds? Hockey. <laughs> Hockey, yeah, big hockey, fan. I love. I'm like insane with hockey. I love playing hockey. I'm insane. I'm insane with ice cream. I love ice cream. Um, Cho- chocolate or vanilla? Neither. Oh yeah, where are you going? I go like this place, Jenny's, and I get a lot of like the tart fruit ice creams or nice. some of the like more caramelly things. Okay. I like it. I like it all, man. Yeah. Um, I also like. I'm starting to learn how to cook a bit more during the quarantine, so trying to like i just took a cooking class yesterday on zoom with like 100 people nice um that was pretty fun but yeah hockey is like huge awesome that's fantastic i love it when you know when i was in high school if you were a musician you couldn't be athletic which was just it's one or the other and then you know like i said my girlfriend she's a singer she played volleyball at you know a college level but she was a singer the whole time and it's like you, you, you know, it's still like, oh, what do you got a gig? But it's so silly, like physical yeah. fitness and, and staying active. That's, that's the real deal. I know. Yeah. Um, it's funny as I, as I went down the hockey path, like the last couple of years, realizing and meeting how many like musicians that are hockey dudes and play hockey. Yeah. Like a lot. That's awesome. Really talented. Ones. There you go. We're, we're proving the stigma incorrect. And a lot of hockey players actually play guitar and stuff, too. They're, like, into guitar. And they love music. Well, then they're cool people. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, I work with Skulu, and they, they have a lot of hockey coaches and stuff. And it's, like, I do some guitar lessons on there. And, um, yeah, so they always tell me, like, oh, this hockey guy, like, plays guitar. Like, maybe we'll get a lesson with you. I was like, cool, you know. That's yeah, I, awesome. hear, I hear about it all the time. I saw a question here. What did you make? What have you been cooking? What was your, uh, last, your... last right? Last night I made pineapple sausage Thai fried rice mm-hmm. and chicken pad Thai. The second time I made it, but finally nailed it. Nice. Um, I I make. I also learned how to make spicy penne alla vodka during this quarantine from scratch. That's killer. Not the pasta because I'm gluten free, but the sauce. Okay. So those are cool. like the big. Crushed it. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. Those are complex things to make, man. That that's no joke. It's getting there. Oh, and guacamole. Awesome. I like mastered guacamole. Oh, I saw that guacamole picture you had on Instagram. That looked like professional guac. See, it's like the real deal. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. One day if All right, dude, they're gonna shut us down in like a minute. Uh, broke up. I didn't hear. What was the last thing you said? 
Oh, you froze. I said, if we're in the same place after quarantine one day, I, I got to meet some guacamole. I would love that, brother. That would be my, my thing. I'll bring the chips. We'll make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, dude. Well, thank you so much, Jared. Like, incredible. Thank you. Stay safe. Enjoy California. You know, definitely, if you're ever in Rockland, dude, we'll hang. It'll be beautiful. Yeah, my pleasure. And, um,